You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Andrew, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. What a great word for the first day of the year. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Apparently, the sins of Grace Community Church are many. People must have been out partying all night. I have, it's been a long time since I've seen this few people here. But that's quite all right. The people that are supposed to be here are here this morning. Thank you so much for coming. How many of you saw the new year in? All right. Quite a few of you. It's the oldies, too. That's what I'm surprised. Kathleen McKinney must have been partying at, you know. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, duly noted. Inappropriate as well. Thank you for keeping me from embarrassing myself further. Thank you, worship team. What a beautiful just way they have led us to this place. And this morning is just going to be an awesome family time. Going to spend time in the Word. Going to spend time sharing life with one another through testimony. And then we're going to share at the table. I hope that I don't share too much of what I have. It's very obvious probably by now. I've got a bad cold. I'm on the end of it. I, I hope I'm on the backside of it. But it's, um, I don't want to spread the cheer. Let's say that. So I won't be shaking hands after, after the service. Allison said yesterday, don't even give me a holy kiss. No, I think it was Jim this morning, wasn't it? it said that. Don't worry about that, Jim. Um, one announcement, uh, Ron and Debbie Stafford, missionaries that we support, are in the States. Ron's got, they've got aging parent issues, their parents are in their 90s, and uh, while they were here, their nephew, Ron's nephew, Chris, um, had pancreatitis, got pancreatitis overnight, and it's no telling how many surgeries this man has had. They were supposed to be sort of here and, and out fairly quickly, but now they've had to extend their stay with all of the family issues. And uh, they are going to be in the uh, States for another couple of months and need a vehicle for the next two months. If anyone has a vehicle they could borrow, then please just be in touch with me or Chris Pope, who's the head of our mission team. And we'll be in touch um, with them. Well, uh, Again, here we are, and I appreciated so much what Keisha said about the new year. It is such a struggle, isn't it, for believers? So on January 1, I, it's one of my favorite holidays of the year because I do sense that the Lord is just making all things new. And it's, you know, he does put all of that behind us, and he's saying, let's move forward. So as you look at 2017, what does the year hold for you? I mean, if you could get a glimpse of what this year holds for you, if, if the Lord were to give you the opportunity to see what's going to happen this year, if he said, I'll reveal what's going to happen to you if you want to know, what would you say? It may depend on whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. You know, the optimist like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'd love to see that. I can just let you know that I wouldn't want to know what's coming in 2017, which may reveal uh, a little bit about my disposition, but you know, it could go either way. An optimist might say, hey, yeah, no, I'll just take it as it comes. 
Don't you wonder what the Lord holds for us here at Grace Community Church? I mean, how many visitors will we have? How many of those visitors will say, you know what? I believe this is the place the Lord wants me to settle. I believe this is the family which, of which he wants me to be a part. How many will we see come to Jesus as the gospel is preached here on Sunday morning and as you have opportunity to share the good news that Jesus died for our sins with those that you come in contact with week in and week out. Grace Community Church is not the place for everyone, but always pray that God will bring exactly who he wants to be (coughs) a part of this family. Family and to be a part of what he is doing in this place. I, this morning, the worship team, Keisha, just everything about the service. I'm just so blessed to be a part of this family. One of the comments that I often hear about grace is the, the surprise and the, and, and the pleasant surprise with the large age span that we have here. We, almost every demographic is filled in, but not quite everyone. Again, pray that the Lord will... We'll, we'll put people in all different ages. I think we're, we're, we're quite comfortable with, with the, the perspectives and the gifting that each of the age groups brings to our church. And children, man, to get to hear children say in, in, in just very plain, sincere, un, I don't want to say unadulterated, but unadult-affected language. They just say things. What a blessing that is to us. One one of the places that maybe we're not so comfortable at Grace is with the different levels of spiritual maturity that exist in our body, just as they do in every church. (laughs) We have believers here of all different levels of maturity, and outward appearances are not always the best indicators of who is spiritually minded, who is not, where people are on the growth chart. So you may think that I'm heading for something that sounds like, okay, here at the beginning of 2017, it's time to redouble our efforts, to recommit. We're going to do this thing right this year. But actually... I'm sensing from the Lord that my own personal focus needs to move from this year. Lord, I commit this to you, to Lord. I have no hope of doing this in my own strength. Help me, please. I want to do it, but I can't do it. Help me. I'll explain that as we go. For the third It could be the third, but it's the third, actually, sermon in a row. Our text is found in the first seven verses of a particular chapter of the Bible, Romans 15, 1 through 7. In fact, now I doubt you would have noticed that, but I surely did. Just one after Isaiah uh, 14, verses 1 through 7. Um, Oh, what was the other one I did the other day? I don't remember. So Romans 15, 1 through 7 for sure this morning. I saw the New Year in last night, by the way. Um, Also for the third week in a row, we need a little bit of an explanation for the context of this book. And if you think about where Romans 15 falls, it's way toward the end of the book. A lot has gone on before it. And now we come to the end where there's a great deal of application 
for what has been said before. So it needs a little bit of explanation. <clears throat> Can the context uh, for today's sermon be summed up in one sentence? Let's try two, maybe. Um, some of the believers in Rome felt that Christians would be very strict in what that they would consider as acceptable Christian behavior. And it would be easy to tell who was a spiritually minded Christian and who was not. Who was strong and who was weak was not necessarily, though, as Paul was saying to the Romans, who you would think they would be. And the strong were given the greater responsibility for bearing with and loving the weak. That's the context. The application for today is to love one another and get along regardless of the differences. And we might look at each other and say, oh, there are all kinds of differences here. Different preferences in music, different races, different socioeconomics. And, and we all get along. Do we all get along regardless of the spiritual levels of spiritual maturity in we find ourselves? Let's read our text, Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. Would you please stand as the scripture is read? <coughs> and we'll read Paul's letter to the Romans. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Isn't that what God does? Isn't that what we just sang about a while ago? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatsoever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. <coughs> What is hope in the New Testament? An expectation of eternal life with Jesus. It's future. It's not in this life. Our hope is in the next life. You might have hope through encouragement of scriptures. You might have hope. <clears throat> May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. In accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice... Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. <coughs> well, Lord, indeed, in spite of our weaknesses, you are strong and, and loving us. You are strong in the ways that you have provided for us, provided relationship with us through Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. By the way that you have provided your word for us, the Holy Spirit, we're not left without guidance, without comfort and the guidance from your word. Lord, and the Holy Spirit making it clear and giving us comfort reminds us that there's a day coming that is so much more glorious than anything anybody rang in last night. 
So we're grateful for this new year and we're grateful for this new word from you. And we pray that you'll speak to our hearts as we speak to one another and to you the goodness that you have wrought in our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Since we're going to have testimonies in a few moments, I just want to make three observations from our text, three brief observations that if embraced will move us toward God's design to glorify Him with one voice, beginning with, get over yourself. Look, that's not as easy as it sounds, and it doesn't sound that easy, does it? Get o- the Lord tells us to get over Yourself. The Roman church had a mix of Jewish believers, Gentile believers, sharing life together, but they had significant differences in, in opinions about how they should live the Christian life and about particular days on the liturgical calendar, including Sunday. How do you deal with Sunday? You, you treat it like the Sabbath or do you treat it like other days? <clears throat> there were big differences on that. There were also differences about whether believers should eat food meat that had been forbidden in the law, and I imagine they had some of the same questions that they had in Corinth, like, what about this meat that's been sacrificed to idols? It's cheaper, so should we go ahead and buy that and be good stewards of the Lord's money? Or, no, that's been sacrificed to idols. You can't eat that meat. So, in other words, the question is, should we shop at Aldi or not? I'm just kidding. Um, Without attempting to identify strong and weak Christians at grace based on what people do accept and do not accept, let's assume that we're all strong believers. And so this is written to us. We're called to love one another in the ways that the strong are called to love here. We're told to get over ourselves so that we may live in harmony with all. Look at this text again. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I, I, look, I am just, I am a horrible failure at this. I want life to go right for me. I was given a card yesterday at Starbucks. off my next visit. Why? Because I said, I've been waiting 30 to 40 minutes for my coffee. So what? I have coffee. I mean, good coffee. And I was sitting there reading a book. I didn't care anyway. And I said it about like that. But even then, the Lord just convicted me. Why? Why do you expect so much? We're Americans. We all want it, right? We're human beings. Beyond that, I know the Italians struggle with the same thing. We all want it, right? We all want things to be. And we can't believe it when they bring us cold food. And it bleeds over to everything. We want to please ourselves And if I have a disagreement with you in church, guess what? You're wrong. Not the way it works. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. 
to build him up. I got bad news for you. If you think your spiritual gift is to make you look good, it's not. The spiritual gift that God gave you is designed to help everybody else and to make everybody else look good. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Look, a lot could be said here, but it's not necessary, is it? I mean, the Holy Spirit wrote this. He brings it to your heart. If you read these verses without an attitude of, well, yeah, but let me say this in my defense, and let me tell you about the other guy, then enough has been said. In fact, please take (coughs) the points of this message and go back to this text this week to make a great deal more application on your own. In fact, look, in two weeks I'm preaching the official New Year's sermon. I love to preach a New Year's sermon. I really do. I don't know why it is. But I love to do that, and that's coming in two weeks when everybody's back in the fold. All the students are here. It could be almost the identical outline that this outline is. So take another look at it, including this second point. Dive into the Word. Spending time in Scripture will not in and of itself make you more like Jesus. But you absolutely will not be more like Jesus if you don't spend time in the Word. Do you have a plan for reading the Bible this year? I hope you do. Now look, it's one of those commitment things like, okay, I'm going to make a resolution. Don't don't look at it that way. We'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. If you do, I would encourage the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. It could be any translation. The New Living Translation would be difficult <coughs> for some of you who appreciate the more formal translations. This is not, by far, this is not the tightest translation of Scripture, but it's of the original Hebrew and Greek, but it's very readable. And you will see things in this Bible that you, not this Bible, but you will see things in Scripture that you have never seen before. But that's true no matter what translation you use. If you read through the Bible every year, you're going to see something different. You're going to discover truth that you've never seen before. Yeah, but I've read it. Yeah, so what? Has your spouse said something to you before that you never heard? I think probably that's the case. I like the one-year Bible because the reading schedule has you both in the Old Testament, New Testament every day, as well as in the Psalms and Proverbs. The only Bible available when Paul said, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction was the Old Testament. That was it. He was talking about the Old Testament when he was saying, whatever's written in Scripture (coughs) is good for us. And absolutely the Old Testament is good for you. Here's the thing, though. If you read a Bible reading plan like I did this last year, and you're going to, if you're going straight through Scripture, then you will spend nine to ten months in the Old Testament and two to three months in the New Testament. And 
the fact that the New Testament explains the Old Testament makes me just a little bit uncomfortable with that. If you get in the Old Testament, the gospel is there, yes, but it's always pointing toward Jesus and his death. And it's good to stay connected with the, with the clear, more clear, the, more, the, 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 the fuller explanation of the gospel that we find in the New Testament. Especially the four gospels. Don't ever get too far away from the four gospels. So this year, what my plan is, is to read the Old Testament and Psalms and Proverbs every day in this one-year Bible, and then to go through the, the, the uh, ESV study Bible, English uh, Standard Version study Bible, and read the notes. Just take one a day, one chapter a day, starting in Matthew. Went through Revelation like that at the very end of this year, and I'm thinking, wow, just all the things that I've been reminded of. Get a good study, but that's just one possible suggestion. I know a lot of you do read through every year. If you've never done that, can I encourage you to do it? And look, not to be overly dramatic, but let me just throw this out, this analogy. What if you were put on trial for your faith in Christ? And the, and the person comes up and says, do you believe that Jesus died for you? Yes, I do. You're willing to die for that. You're willing to say that Jesus is your Savior and you will die. Yes, I am. I'm willing to die for that. Can I ask you a question? How do you know that? Well, the Bible says it. Have you ever read the Bible? Well, sure, I've read in the Bible. No, no. Have you ever read from Genesis to Revelation? You ever read all the way through? Wouldn't that be weird to die for a book that you never even read? If you've never read, this is a great time. Now, once again... There's a lot more to say, and it won't take but just a second to say it, <coughs> about how that in and of itself will not make a difference in you. But spending time in the Word is the only way that we'll become more like Jesus. No matter what plan you follow, get in the Word, and when you dive in, take time to just soak in the gospel. Look, if you, if you dive into the Word properly, you're more likely to be swimming in gospel waters than if you go in your own way like big cannonball. You know? Okay, that's a terrible analogy, but you, you get the point that I make. You, know? you, you can read the Bible in lots of different ways. If you read it with a law mentality, it is. It's like get the cannonball. The McLaughlin's grandson has been in national diving competitions and those guys are pretty amazing. Oh, man, those guys are amazing. They go in and there's almost no splash. In other words, Chinese, when they go in, man, those guys are amazing when they go in. And it's just, it's like, that's all you hear. Now, that's the way it ought to be done. And when you're going into Scripture with your gospel glasses on, you're going to pee elevating and exalting Jesus in the ways that he was intended to be exalted. Notice in our text that Paul acknowledges that if the members of Rome Community Church are going to live in harmony, it will be God who grants that spirit of unity. Unity is not something we can work up. It's something that's given to us. Now, we're called to protect and to keep it, to, to guard it. But God gives us this unity in Jesus. Living a gospel-centered life 
see, will not only reflect, affect our relationship with the Lord. What good is it if I pray for my meal that's delivered and then I'm saying to the waiter or waitress, this is unacceptable. This is just unacceptable. Take this back, please. Bring me food that I... Look, there are all kinds of ways you can do it kindly and sweetly. But if, if I am aware of the mercy that has been given to me, extended to me, it ought to be affect the way that I extend mercy with you and interact with you. That's the gospel. That's the advantage of preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. Aren't you glad that God is patient with you? Just before we take time to share ways that God has worked in our lives this year and to head off any New Year's resolutions that will surely be broken, I want to share a quote from Paul David Tripp. And look, if it fits just right, I may share this two weeks from today in the official New Year sermon uh, when we, we have a few more people in the seat. So you won't mind, I'm sure, because you'll want to be working on this. This is an article about true repentance and how even when we confess our sins to the Lord, we come with two different hearts and one heart really isn't confessing sin. The other is truly repentant. It's, the, it, 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 it's identifying the different mindset Mindsets between a law-focused believer and a gospel-focused believer. Quote, the first person believes in personal strength and the possibility of self-rescue. While the second has given up on his own righteousness and cries out for the help of another. One gets up in the morning and tells himself that he'll do better today. But the other starts the day with a plea for grace. One targets a change in behavior. The other that he during heart. One assesses that he has the power for personal change. While the other knows that he needs to be given strength for the battle. <coughs> One has to be one has to hold on to the possibility of personal reformation. But the other has abandoned that hope and therefore runs to God for help. That's a good word, isn't it? That's a very gospel-focused word. It may be as good as I have seen in a long time to help us understand the difference between a law-based mentality of, of, of life and, and one that's gospel-centered and one that cries out to the Lord for help. So let's just share in the ways that the gospel has impacted our lives in this past year. Going to get a couple of microphones and may need to get a couple of volunteers. We had a, you've, you've got one? Okay, one. Thank you. Get this one, I'll let you get it so I don't pass my germs on that way. Thank you. And just take time to share it. Look, in the early church, in a lot of other churches, you see this a lot more than, than we do uh, here. But when we have these opportunities, what a great way it is for us. And something you say may have a huge impact on someone else. So please share how the Lord has worked in your life this year. Or something, just a word of praise to give to him as we begin this new year.
first is always toughest. Who will go second? Someone goes second. How about the men with the mic? Okay, here we go. Allison. I know many of you this year have, in our body, have walked through times of loss and suffering and disappointment, perhaps prayed for healing for something and it hasn't um, happened in the way that you may have wished for it. And um, I just have been pondering a lot recently um, and, and been blessed by the journey that I have seen many of you walk through with... Um, <coughs> Some of you going through debilitating health issues, um, not able to do the things that you once used to be able to do, um, experiencing loss in a variety of different ways or disappointment. But um, I've just been pondering the difference between delivering grace and sustaining grace. And... Um, I think a lot of times we wish for deliverance from the things that we're struggling with and we ask God to remove that or to heal us or to answer our prayers in a way that would be that we think would be best for us and very often that's not what he brings to us. Um, he brought his deliverance to the children of Israel as they walked through the the parted Red Seas, that was an example of his delivering grace. But he doesn't always heal us as we might want to or answer prayers for um, broken relationships or whatever it might be. But he does offer his sustaining grace moment by moment as he did for the children of Israel as they were provided with food, the manna in the wilderness. And... I have just been blessed this year as I've seen many in our congregation go through times of real trial and suffering and have received that sustaining grace that God has brought day in and day out, moment by moment. And that has blessed me as I have seen several of you walk those difficult paths and see God's hand and his sustaining grace. And as I begin this new year, I want to be way more aware of God's sustaining grace in my life, moment by moment, and not just that deliverance or that, that delivering grace, which he does provide in, in certain, at certain times, but he doesn't always give it to us as we might want. Um, so I'm just encouraged by what I've seen in your walks this year, and thank you for that. It's really important truth that Allison is proclaiming here with um, the prosperity gospel says if it's not delivering grace something's wrong what do you Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 the Lord told him my grace is sufficient for you it, it's it, it's far greater testimony really the sustaining grace than delivering grace anybody can get up from a sick bed and praise the Lord can you stay there and praise the Lord that's the question Thank you, Allison. Good word. Being our church and stuff, well, you know, you were talking about the unite, <coughs> unity in our church and stuff. Well, having the, you know, the folks from Italy here just plug right into our church and, and as if they've been here for years. 
um, just is a testament to the unity in the worldwide church where, you know, it, it, it's, it's God's doing, not ours. So <coughs> the unity we're feeling here, we've just got to praise God and that it continues worldwide. Amen. That's one of the things that's been struck in Revelation, you know, what it's going to be like when we are all of one mind, one voice glorifying God. It's going to be a day. As some of you know, I turned 90 this past uh, November, and I tell you, when you get old, things happen to you. <laughs> a few months ago, I found out I had uh, macular degeneration in my left eye, and had five shots in it and it's completely cleared up the Lord has cleared that up and it's something that is during my ministry I've I've always thought about praying praying to Jesus praying to Jesus and then it, it has hit me lately the Holy Spirit is there doing the work of Jesus today and not only was my physical eye open but my spiritual eye was open to the fact of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm hoping it's always <coughs> been a mystery how the Holy Spirit can indwell us. He's in us. I don't understand that. And it's been a mystery to me. But here lately, my eyes have been open to not only to pray to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit does the work that Jesus wants done. So pray for me that my eyes will be open more. What a beautiful testimony. I mean, I could make a smart remark and say it's about time you figured that out. Isn't it, about the, isn't it wonderful that at 90 years of age you're learning about the truth? And what a blessing this man has been to so many of us. His wife, a far greater blessing. But he's been a wonderful. My pastor, I love him. I got to quit that stuff. It's family. They're family to me, Jim and Joy Acock. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done and for that word of growing right up till the day you stand before Jesus. Henry, man, it's good to have you back here. We prayed for you. You're not only your ACL, but mercy. You're almost died. You died a couple of times right on the table, and they had to bring you back. Here's a man who is back from the dead. <laughs> Well, we had some from other countries and some back from the dead with us in service today. So, um, marriage and stuff and teaching you from the word and hearing a lot about, you know, how um, God uses marriage and stuff and teaching you. And uh, it's one thing that, you know, being a part of this uh, church family for so long and seeing so many of you families, you know, I think that I had learned all that, and um, it's amazing how uh, far off you are until you get into marriage, and um, grow, again, growing up in, uh, in the Word and in a church. Just growing up. That's right. Um, you know, I had this blinding <laughs> sin of that, you know, I was a good person. You know, I was always in church, you know, I saved young, and, you know, I was doing what God was wanting me to do, and so... Um, God has really opened my eyes to that um, in showing how uh, blind I was to my own selfishness. And um, just in walking through this, and um, so many of you other families in here have really helped, you know, um, me understand that. And just for God giving me a wife that has just um, expressed Christ's love uh, to me when 
I do something stupid, and like there's no coming back from this, and she just shows mercy and uh, mm. just love. And so, you know, I thank God for you guys and for those of you who've worked through us uh, this year and for um, giving me a wife who just loves me like Christ does. So, what a what a beautiful testimony to what we just read um, about how. Christ is extended to us, we extend to others. And that's one of the best ways people see Jesus is through us. Thank you. Um, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for your prayers. And uh, I just want to say I'm so blessed to be in this family and uh, I've gone through a lot last year, and um, yeah, like I almost died, so I don't know what happened, but my mom here knows, and um, basically still due to my ACL, and thank God the surgery went well, and I'm recovering very well, a couple months out to start my regular playing basketball again, and I just want to say I'm grateful to have you guys here in the U.S. as my family, and I thank God for it. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. What a what a great testimony this guy is to the to the Lord's grace. And I I was so sad that I and this is just the way it is in the church our size. I got to know Henry like two days before he left for D.C. and just wishing so much I had been able to spend more time. But I feel that way about so many of you. And it's just that my time is, is even tighter now than it used to be. But please remember, Henry, you'll see him next year playing for Howard University. Uh, I'm sure he'll make ESPN top ten uh, plays lots with his uh, acrobatic dunks and stuff like that. But pray for him as he ministers there as well, shares Christ with others. And Sean and Melissa have been connected with Henry in D.C. and Kat and helped her. Kat's by his side, unbelievable uh, indication of her love for him while Henry was going through. Just wouldn't leave the room hardly. So we're grateful that you're here on so many uh, levels, Henry. Thank you. I just want to praise God that he's an overcoming God. And in John 16, Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I'm just so thankful when we have gone through some tough times, a lot of tough times over the last seven years, um, that when we think we can't do it, we realize it's true we can't, but he can. And I'm so thankful for how he reminds us that our hope, and Brad always reminds us our hope is not just in this world, but it's in what's to come. And our purpose here is to tell the world that message. And I think when people see us going through tough things and we're real and they see our suffering, but we also are able to praise him in the midst of it, that it makes a difference. It really does. And so I'm so thankful that anything we go through is not without purpose. And um, um, 
when we went into this year, we didn't know <laughs> what we were going to face. We thought it was enough to have battled cancer twice and just survived it. Um, but then my work responsibilities greatly increased. And Gary's uncle, who was like a father, passed. And then his mother passed. And then on that same day, right before his mother <coughs> passed, his daddy accepted Jesus as a Savior. And so we got to rejoice in the midst of that. Um, but there's just been a lot of stuff. But I can only say God does it right. God does everything right. And I'm so thankful for that. And the boundary lines he puts for us are in pleasant places. They're perfect. We're right where he would have us to be. And I struggle and fight against that. And I complain and whine a whole lot. And if you ever doubt that, just ask Gary. <laughs> but he's so patient. He lets me whine to him. And then together we pray. And the Lord gives the peace. Um, but a couple weeks ago, I wasn't sleeping. And I opened up my Bible to Daniel. And I saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. And I just prayed, Lord, help me to be so courageous that no matter what, I'm willing to bring you honor and glory and to resist any temptation to deny you. And in the fire, Jesus walked around in there with them. And like Allison said, they weren't spared the fire. They had to probably go through terror of knowing they were going to be thrown in there. But he was with them in the fire. And then the whole world knew it. And that was proclaimed. And they came out not even smelling like smoke. And so I just pray for all of us, sort of piggybacking on what Allison said, that whatever we're going through, we're going to come out not even smelling like smoke because people will only see Jesus in us through the midst of it. But thank you and thank my home group for praying and loving us through all these seasons of life. Yeah, I think uh, Allison probably had her home group in mind when she was saying some of that. We've, uh, we're of, of an age, you know. Um, so, Jim, you think it's rough now? Wait, you get, oh, wait a minute. He's passed, well past us. He used, to, he used to hit a golf ball and people would say, great shot. He'd say, when some of you fellows get as old as I am, maybe you can hit the ball as far as I can. So, um, thank you, Barbara and Gary, for being that beautiful light in the darkness when people recognize that there's darkness but there's also light one more so I just had something that really spoke to me a few weeks ago um, I'm often reminded being at Harnett Central High School uh, just that the world sees Christians often, especially the younger generation, as a self-righteous, um, very biased group of people. And I was um, discussing some things with a few friends who are not believers, and it's hard to hear just how upset they feel and how they feel ostracized and left out for certain things. Um, but one of the verses that really spoke to me went like literally right after the conversation was, uh, I opened my Bible app and the verse of the day was John three seventeen. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So this Christmas season, I've just been really reminded of how we need to show the true gospel to the world rather and let our views get out of the way 
um, and just bring God's love to people before we say anything. Yes, that's so true, isn't it? That's a great word to share with us, Katie, and it helps us remember, look, our guys in school, in public school, are facing stuff the rest of us don't face. If they're walking with Jesus, they're going through stuff. They are on the front lines of our school, um, in, in our schools. They're on the front lines of, of the gospel and, the, and the, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God clashing, not, not intersecting, but clashing. There's just a great deal of that. College students as well. I know those of you who work in, in difficult environments, those of us who are older tend to be a little better equipped to handle those things. Pray for these guys. Pray for our students as they live for Jesus. They show the light of Jesus to the world. So thankful that they're getting the gospel. When we have our um, Grace Connection classes, you'd just be amazed as you sit in there as the students are coming along at 15. When they start sharing their knowledge of the word, it's, it's pretty impressive. I, I was thinking about that with Keisha talking about children's ministry. That's where it starts. And you guys, I hope if the Lord was speaking to your heart a little earlier and saying, you know, you could do that. You could be that fourth grade teacher or that first grade. I hope that you will uh, respond to that. And even though it's just a, a handful of people here this morning, relatively speaking, not Keisha over after the service trying to get to her to say, no, let me, let me, no. He's done it before. Let me do it this time. So we need help in that because what a great word to end on. Well, we're, we're not going to end on that word. We're going to end on this word, the word, the Lord's word to us at his table. Historically, in churches, the communion has come at the end of the service. Now, over the years, it's, it goes every different way and there's no prescription for it in Scripture so that we don't have to. We can do it as every church's conscience allows, and which is one of the reasons that we do it at the end of the service here, it's middle of the service elsewhere. But <clears throat> typically, the time at the table has been a response to the message. We tend to think in our generation that the response to the message is an invitation where people come forward, kneel at the altar, or talk to the pastor, or whatever. This has been the response to the Word of God through the ages, where we come to the table and we affirm the gospel. We affirm that we believe the gospel, which permeates all of Scripture and permeates all of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the elders and deacons if they would come and prepare to serve, and what we will do, I will give instructions as they are coming, what we will do is uh, after we bless the elements, the, the bread and the fruit of the vine, then these gentlemen will be served up front, and then ushers will alert you to come down these interior aisles and go back up the middle and the far uh, aisles alongside of the, the walls. If you, for some reason, cannot come forward and partake, then just let us know and we'll have someone in the back who will come to you. Um, 
I see there was one more word. I know I wanted to say, certainly want to say that the bread is gluten-free. If that's important to you and it's important to more and more people all along. Um, in, In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The old covenant... The law, God said, do this and you will live. Don't don't obey this, you will die. None of us had a chance. We were all going to do it wrong. Jesus says, okay, my blood, it's the new covenant. My death on the cross, that's the payment for the sins that you have committed. And when you drink this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. And in another place, the scripture tells us, well, just one chapter before, that we participate in the body and the blood of Christ. We participate with one another as we come to this table and we partake. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Just before we partake, um, and I don't believe I called the worship team, but they are here anyway. Thankfully, they remembered to be here. Just as we, just before we partake of this bread and of this cup, I want us to take a few moments. Just pray silently. We are offered forgiveness because of the death of Jesus Christ. He says to not eat or drink unworthily. And that's to do so not caring about sin, just living your life as though sin doesn't matter. But look, if you're a follower of Jesus, sin matters very much to you. And you don't want to be there. So just take a moment and confess your sin and just be so grateful for God's forgiveness. Wasn't that word from Paul David Tripp encouraging? Lord, I have no hope of doing this. I know who I am apart from Jesus. It is in his sacrifice that I find life and that I find help to live this life, this gospel-centered life. So just if you need to say, Lord, please forgive me of these sins and help me this year. Not to be strong in myself, but help me to depend on you to be my life this year. Would you just spend time in prayer and preparation for the table? Lord, it's counterintuitive to say that our hope is not in what we plan to do in in, in ways of being good, but our hope is to say that we have no hope apart from Jesus. 
Our hope is to say that if you don't do it for us, <coughs> we are in just an awful trouble. Lord, thank you for your brilliant plan, this plan of the gospel, that Jesus left the glories of heaven, became one of us. And when he died for our sins and then was raised from the dead, you said, yes, that's an acceptable sacrifice for sin. And he ascended to heaven, and as Jim has reminded us this morning, the Holy Spirit has been left here. And the Spirit draws us together to this table. And he lifts up Jesus Christ. Who is the Redeemer as well as the Creator in the Father's plan. It's a beautiful plan, and we say thank you. And so as we partake of this bread, reminded that the the body of Jesus was broken as he was mocked. As I, I, I think about as Katie shared a little while ago, how Christians are mocked and despised and misunderstood completely. He remained silent. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And as we partake of the cup in which we're reminded of the of the blood that was spilled, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We confess that we are sinful people, and we acknowledge that our only hope is in Christ, and we rejoice. All at the same time, it's an odd mixture of emotions, this life in the gospel, in the life in Jesus, of true sorrow, repentance, and enjoy in the forgiveness. And Lord, we anticipate your return. So nourish us at this table. Bind us to one another and to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.